Psalm 89, a maskil for Ethan the Ezraite. Let me sing the Lord's kindness forever. For all generations I shall make known with my mouth your faithfulness. For I said, forever will kindness stand strong. In the heavens you set your faithfulness firm. I have sealed a pact with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. Furthermore, I shall make your seed stand firm and make your throne stand strong for all generations. Salah. And the heavens will acclaim your wonder, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy. For who in the skies can compare to the Lord? Who can be like the Lord among the sons of the gods? A God held in awe in the council of the holy, mighty and fearsome above all his surroundings. Lord, God of armies, who is like you? Powerful Yah, with your faithfulness round you, you rule over the tide of the sea. When its waves lift up, it is you who subdue them. It is you who crush Rahab like a corpse. With the arm of your might, you scattered her, your enemies. Yours are the heavens, yours to the earth. The world and all its fullness, you founded them. The north and the south, you created them. Tabor and Hermon sing glad song in your name. Yours is the arm with the might. Your hand is strong, your right hand raised. Justice and law are the base of your throne. Steadfast kindness and truth go before your presence. Happy the people who know the horn's blast. O Lord, they walk in the light of your presence. In your name they exalt all day long, and though your bount and through your bounty they loom high, for you are their strength's grandeur, and through your pleasure our horn is lifted, for the Lord is our shield, and to Israel's holy one our king. Then did you speak in a vision to your faithful, and did say, I set a crown upon the warrior, I raised up one chosen from the people. I found David, my servant, with my holy oil anointed him, that my hand hold firm with him, my arm to take him in. No enemy shall cause him grief, and no vile person afflict him. And I will grind down his foes before him and defeat those who hate him. My faithfulness and my kindness are with him, and in my name his horn will be lifted, and I shall put his hand to the sea and his right hand to the rivers, he will call me, my father you are, my God, and the rock of my rescue. I too shall make him my firstborn, most high among the kings of the earth. Forever I shall keep my kindness for him, and my pact will be faithful to him, and I shall make his seed for all time, and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his sons forsake my teaching and do not go in my law, if they profane my statutes and do not keep my commands, I will requite their crime with the rod and with plagues their wrongdoing. Yet my steadfast kindness I will not revoke for him, and I will not betray my faithfulness. I will not profane my fat pact, and my mouth's utterance I will not alter. One thing I have sworn by my holiness, that David I will not deceive. His seed shall be forever and his throne like the sun before me, like the moon firm founded forever, and the witness in the skies is faithful, Salah. And you, you abandoned and spurned, you were furious with your anointed, 
You canceled the pact of your servant. You profaned his crown on the ground. You broke through all his walls. You turned his forts into rubble. All passers-by plundered him. He became a disgrace to his neighbors. You raised the right hand of his foes. You made all his enemies glad. You also turned back his sword's flint and did not make him stand in the battle. You put an end to his splendor and his throne you hurled to the ground. You cut short the days of his prime. You enveloped him with shame, Salah. How long, Lord, will you hide forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Recall how fleeting I am, how futile you made all man humankind. What man alive will never see death? will save his life from the grips the grip of Sheol, Salah. Where are your former kindness, Master, that you vowed to David in your faithfulness? Recall, O Master, your servant's disgrace that I bore in my bosom from all the many pe peoples as your enemies reviled, O Lord. As your enemies reviled, your anointed one's steps. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Psalm 89 is the last um, psalm in the third book of the psalms. So if you remember psalms, there's 150 of them. Um, they were divided into five books, or perhaps more likely, um, there were five books that were compiled into one. And uh, Psalm 89 just so happens to be the end of the third book. And you can sort of tell it because it has this verse at the end, which doesn't exactly fit with the rest of the psalm. Blessed be the Lord forever, amen and amen. Um, most likely that was um, written at the end of the book, uh, either to divide it from the other book, uh, from the next book, or perhaps to, um, to wrap up the entire uh, third book of the Psalms. And then when it was included in the Psalms, uh, the, the bigger book, the collection, what do you do with that verse? Well, it has to go somewhere, and so it gets stuck at the end of the last Psalm. It's not really part of it. It's just dividing the two. Um, remember, uh, there wasn't a um, formal chapter and verse uh, numbering um, in ancient times um, the way that we have now. That's a fairly modern, modern. it's a few, like several hundred years old, but it's, it's, a, um, it's a more recent development that they were divided into chapters and verses. So it would have been fine if you're reading um, the book of Psalms to run across something like that and know, oh, this is not really part of the psalm. It's, it's part of the next one. Um, it's also why there's some confusion over whether we should number um, the little superscription. Um, some collections, uh, translations of the psalms do number it, and others just leave it as sort of a, a floating thing uh, that happens before verse one. Uh, at any rate, the superscription or the, you know, the tagline or whatever you want to call it for this one is a mascal for Ethan the Ezraite. Uh, the previous psalm also had an Ezraite. Um, we don't know a whole lot about them. Uh, they are mentioned, um, I believe it was in Samuel, um, and uh, but but that's about all we know. Uh, so this psalm is confronting a, a difficulty that um, the ancient Hebrews would have had, that Israel would have had which is God promised that David and his line would be on the throne forever. And, um, and things happened along the way that made that not true. And so how, it's a struggle. How do you, do you say that God um, 
didn't follow his promise? Or, or how do you, how do you um, come to grips with that? So the first section um, talks about uh, the promise that um, God made to David. Um, it talks about uh, his kindness and his faithfulness. Uh, this is actually um, a theme that goes through the entire psalm. Some people want to or, or think that it's actually three composite, a composite psalm of three individual uh, poems, um, but this through line of, of faithfulness makes that unlikely. Um, why would you join it together like that? Uh, and um, it seems more likely that it was written on purpose. The second section deals with uh, one possible way that you can kind of um, handle this, which is, uh, you know, David was promised um, that his line would last forever, but uh, there was also an obligation on the side of Israel that they follow God's laws. And if you don't follow God's laws, then God um, would not uh, bless Israel. And so that's um, the assumption that the psalm makes is that uh, the people of Israel did not follow um, the Lord's laws. And so in the end, um, the, the psalmist reminds God that uh, he made this promise, asks for um, the promise to be fulfilled, and, um, and that's basically the, the three parts of this psalm. Um, there's plenty of good uh, material in here, as, as always, some lines that stick out. Um, but I think uh, ultimately the, um, uh, the, the thing that I take away from this psalm is, is this struggle, uh, which is a universal struggle. How can God, who is fully good and fully powerful, allow evil things to happen? How can he make a promise to David and then it's, we discover it hasn't been fulfilled? And, uh, and there aren't any good answers to this. This is a difficulty, uh, probably the most significant um, argument for, uh, for atheism that I know, or at least maybe not atheism, but a, um, an argument against the goodness of God for an indifferent God. Um, so I encourage you to read this and think about how you would solve the problem. Uh, David's um, line was ended and uh, the kings of Israel were, um, the final king of Israel was taken into Babylon. And then there was a king of Judah uh, around the time of the Romans, um, but he wasn't of the line of David. He was, um, you could call him a usurper. Uh, he had more, um, he had connections with Greek, uh, the Greek rulers of, of Judah before him. And today, obviously, there's no king of Israel, um, and there's no way to trace the lineage of David um, to proclaim a king, even if that's what Israel wanted to do at this point. And so how is, uh, how is this prophecy, how is this promise, I should say, that God made uh, being fulfilled? And I'll leave you with that, and I'll talk to you next time. We're on to the fourth book of the five books of Psalms.